Welcome back to another episode of Stern Chats. I'm Justin Catches. And I'm Stephen Avila. Stephen, who do we have on the show today? Today we are lucky to host one of our fellow classmates and good friend, Jasmine Cabeza. We are so excited to have her on the show today. Jasmine is a first year MBA student who is very active in the Stern community. Throughout her career and her time here at Stern, she has been very passionate about promoting diversity and fostering a community of inclusion. She recently became president of the Association of Hispanic and Black Business Students, also known as ABBAS, and is a Stern Speaks coach. That is incredible. And Jasmine is joining us for a very special episode about Ally Week here at Stern. As the name would suggest, it's a dedicated week at NYU where we create opportunities for students, faculty, and administrators to deepen their understanding of the experiences of others and raise awareness of the individual and collective injustices that confront many in our society. And as we mentioned, we're really looking forward to speaking with Jasmine today, and I can't wait to learn more about her and about Ally Week. What do you think, Justin? Should we start the show? Let's turn up the volume. Cue that music. University Stern Campus, this is Stern Chats, the podcast that tells the hidden stories between the lines of someone's resume. In the interest of serving the Stern community, building relationships, and unlocking important life lessons, we present these stories to a wider audience. Hi everyone, I'm Stephen Avila. And I'm Justin Catches. And welcome to today's episode of Stern Chats for Ally Week. We are excited to have our fellow student, MBA1, Jasmine Cabeza, with us in the studio today. Jasmine, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, guys. I'm so excited to be here with you. Well, we're excited to have you. So, Jasmine, congratulations. You're the incoming president of the Association of Hispanic and Black Business Students, and you're also a Stern Speaks coach. And for those of you who don't know what Stern Speaks is, uh, it's a student-led speaker series where current students can share their personal journeys with their classmates in a very intimate setting. So, Jasmine, do you want to introduce yourself? Sure. Hi, everyone. My, I'm Jasmine Cabeza. I am originally from Venezuela. And, but I moved to the U.S. when I was 15 years old, so I'm, I'm like this hybrid person uh, that I have a strong identity of being from Venezuela, but also uh, lived in the U.S. since then. So I also consider myself American. Uh, my family lives um, in Orlando, Florida. That's where I spent about 10 years before uh, moving up to Washington, D.C. for my job. And um, um, I'm very excited to be in this space of entering uh, the academic world again after having done so in my undergrad. Um, I went to the University of Central Florida in Orlando for industrial engineering, and then I went into consulting for about seven years. Uh, I worked for Accenture for that amount of time, and then here I am. Nice. Is this your first time living in New York City? It is. I did have a series of projects that were based out of here, so I traveled into the city quite a bit in the last couple of years, but this is the first time actually living here, and I love it. So how did you decide to come to Stern or decide to come to business school at all? So um, I was about five years into my consulting career. And I had recently been promoted to manager, which is a big milestone. And um, after about doing that role for about a year, I started to think about, okay, is this the path that I want to go on for about, you know, another chunk of time? 
And um, the work that I was doing was starting to be uh, very specific. I was doing like risk management assessments and banking. And Accenture was doing very well selling this framework of assessment. And we had a lot of relationships in the space. So I, I led a lot of pro- uh, projects like it. I was going down the road of starting to like sell and like promote this kind of work, which is what you start to do once you're transitioning from manager to senior manager. And, and you know, and I just asked myself the honest question, like, is, this, is that what you want to start doing in the niche uh, expertise that you want to develop? And I realized that I wanted to have a greater impact in business than than doing risk management and banking. And I started to consider business school as a way to expand my skills and my my knowledge beyond, you know, being a consultant in banking. I did a a pre-MBA coaching program that is called MLT that is really good at getting you to think about if this makes sense for you, what kind of goals and what kind of outcome you can achieve after it. And I realized through the coaching and and many uh, visits to school that this would be a very fulfilling experience that would really take my career to the next level. Awesome. And uh, you're actually going back into banking for your summer internship. Is that right? I am. Yes. And and so one of the things that I discovered in that th- thought process was that I really enjoy like client advisory. Uh, I really like to s- help clients like solve problems and kind of achieve their business goals. And in that, in that um, I realized that I also wanted to leverage the industry experience that I have, but in a new space. So in my work, I didn't really touch finance or really had anything to do with um, analyzing or even considering the the financial health of a company. And I figured that the best way to bring my background and my experience with me, but at the same time develop a whole new set of skills, was to do client advisory in banking. And that means being an investment banker and doing uh, mergers and acquisitions advisory, which is what I'm going to go into. So it'll be an exciting opportunity to to do that. Awesome. Well, you're uh, really taking advantage of all that NYU Stern has to offer. Jasmine, I'm curious. I mean, you mentioned you're from Venezuela, and we've had a few classes together, and I feel like Venezuela gets brought up as sometimes a case study of things that could go not so great, um, at least in the economy, from uh, from an economy perspective. I'd be curious to kind of get your thoughts on, you know, what is it like watching what's happening down there from here in the United States? Do you still have family there? You know, when you make some of the decisions that you have here at school, how often are you thinking of, of Venezuela? Being from Venezuela and being a witness to everything that has happened over the last 15 years is definitely in the background of, of everything I pursue, right? So uh, I moved when I was 15. So, you know, I was old enough to really have, you know, acute awareness of what was happening, what was starting to change. Both of my parents worked uh, administratively for Congress. So they both had roles that were very related to the political changes that were happening in Venezuela. So this very socialist, uh, almost communist-like party took over in the, you know, in the end of the 90s, and my parents uh, were displaced from the jobs that they had. And that was the trigger for us to, uh, really for them, to look for a new home and a new, a new start for them and, and really for me and my brother. Being, having grown up so close to what Venezuela was, it has made it very difficult to witness what has happened in Venezuela over the last now uh, almost 18 years, right? So the the economy has depleted. The social fabric of the country has changed 
drastically in terms of like, values and you know government everything it just seems is a place that doesn't seem like the one I grew up in and um, when I reflect on the reasons why I got a new start it's a reflection that is a, a big part of everything I do because I realize that you know there are so many people that I grew up with that are still there that they suffer from the status and the state of the economy and the government and of society they have very limited access to really basic things like food and medicine and they have no career opportunities no dreams no none of that stuff and I and I think about okay so why did I get the opportunity to start over in kind of this land of opportunity where the whole world up enough for me and I I know that you know I I just got lucky you know I'm not better I'm not more deserving it's just something that happened as part of the family that I just happened to be born in and it's a kind of is a kind of perspective that as I go through life it makes me it makes me want to leverage the opportunities that I have to have an impact in the community that I'm a part of as an immigrant that I am and feel very representative of that community and as I go into business and and, and enter like corporate America I want to bring that experience with me and have it, and have it be a part of decisions that are made awesome well, that is quite an inspiring story. And yeah. you mentioned being part of a community and giving back. And, you know, we're here to talk about Ally Week and what it means to be an ally. So what does the phrase allyship mean to you, you know, given you've been through all of this in your life and, you know, you've been the beneficiary, I assume, of, of allies who have helped you along the way. So we'd love to just understand what that word means to you. So to me, allyship means being able to speak on behalf of issues and people that don't have the same ability to do it for themselves. So for me, having gone through the experience of moving here when I was young, feeling like an outsider to many things for a long time, having learned and, and had many allies myself, I feel a strong need of kind of turning back and helping others that are also coming behind me that I can help with my experience. So give back. You know, people have given to you. Now it's your turn to kind of pass the mantle on to the next the next generation of people who are showing up in, in similar circumstances, right, or who are facing their own challenges. So to give them the opportunity of, of having an ally, a mentor, to hopefully make them as successful as you've been since since you've come here. Exactly. And I mean, especially now, I feel like our country is so polarized that allyship is just so important from an immigrant perspective, from a gender perspective. I mean, there's so much to dissect here. And I'd be curious to know kind of your thoughts here in business school and at Stern. You know, as Justin mentioned, you're the president of the Association of Hispanic and Black Business Students, also known as ABBAS. And I'd be curious to know, you know, what does that club do here on campus? And, you know, how does the role of an ally kind of play into that club's ethos, if you will? Sure. So taking on that role, it's, it's very important and meaningful to me. It is actually one of the goals that I came into school with because the community of Black and Hispanic people has been such a support for me in all of my journey, including the journey that kind of brought me here as part of the pre-MBA coaching program that I mentioned, MLT. That is a program that is focused on Black and Hispanic and Native American candidates that are looking to go into business school. And Abbas at Stern is the home of that community. It's the club that provides family and support in this, in this safe space to kind of talk about openly, you know, any issues, any concerns, any, any areas of doubt. And at the same time, have fun and kind of be yourself and not have to worry so much about how you're coming across and what 
kind of what identity are you forming in this new environment, which can be very stressful and very difficult at times. Especially during the recruiting process, right? You're just constantly being judged all the time, especially, mm-hmm. you know, when you show up on campus, you're kind of this, everyone's meeting you for the first time. You're demonstrating kind of who you are as a person and who you're reflecting that. It can be really beneficial to have a club that you feel 100% comfortable with or a group, a community of people that you can feel totally at ease with. And I think that's important to have as part of the kind of transition back into academia, right, back into school, back into this new community to have that that support. Yeah, exactly. And, and at this stage, right, us as MBA ones, we've we've gone through the majority of that process. And when we came here, we had the MBA twos that kind of helped us and shared their own experience. And I think it's very important for us to turn back and realize that there's a new class coming and, and it's our duty to play the same role and make sure that, you know, they learn from what we learned and they are more successful than maybe many of us were. So I think mm-hmm. that's one of the key roles of the club and, and that we as the incoming president and VPs of ABAS are looking to do for next year. So for those in the community that aren't a part of ABAS and, you know, want to be part of the club, maybe be designated as an ally, you know, what, what would you say is the best way to be an ally, whether it's with ABAS or Outclass, which is our LGBT affinity group here, or any of the other, you know, affinity groups here on campus? You know, I think I think the very basic step to be an ally is to just kind of take opportunities to integrate yourself with people that maybe on appearance are different than than you are. The main reason why that's so important is because I think we all have some a lot of preconceived notions that makes that makes us different, but at the end of the day I think we're actually very similar. And when you actually give yourself the opportunity to get to know someone on a personal level, come hang out in that event or volunteer for something that the club is doing, it automatically allows you to like get to know people as people. And then you realize that, oh, wow, we actually have a lot of things in common and, and, and allows you to learn about the experience of another person. And I think all of that is uh, an important base for being an ally. Yeah, absolutely. And it's part of this implicit bias problem that a lot of people have, you know, whether it's an understanding of who business school students are or who people are who are part of a certain community or minority or affinity group that you look and and you judge based on your notions or society's notions of what that type of person is. And I think by integrating, you know, and having these groups sponsor, whether it's parties or community events or whatever it might be, giving people an opportunity and a platform to exactly as you said, right, get to know them, sit down, have a beer, sit down, have Mm. a a coffee, right? Talk to these people and say, we're just people and get to know them. And if you can't do that in a college campus, an environment, whenever you're going to take the opportunity to do that. And I I think that's something what I really love about Stern is that, you know, I feel like we do a really good job of trying to bring clubs together. Typically, you know, groups of folks that wouldn't otherwise interact with one another. You know, I love giving the example, you know, the first few weeks of school, Outclass and the Veterans Club got together for the sixth anniversary of the repeal of Don't Ask, Don't Tell. And those were two groups of students that otherwise would not typically engage. And here we had, you know, these great clubs together at the bar, mingling, getting to know one another. I would consider that the gold standard of allyship and collaboration and you know, I know there's so much that Albus could probably do as well. And I don't know if you have any ideas or insight that you can share with us of, you know, taking the club into the next year, but would love uh, to kind of get your thoughts on that as well. Yeah. And, and on that theme of getting different clubs to interact, that's one of our main goals, because I do think that as we were just chatting, that does 
create a mechanism for people that are very maybe organically unlikely to interact with each other to do so and therefore like learn from each other and then support each other when the time comes right so and and when I say that it's when the time comes I, I think it relates to the topic of allyship in the sense that when if I am part of a group that in a certain setting has a disadvantage or is marginalized somehow and it depends on context that could be true or not true but I'm a woman, I'm a Latina. So if I'm talking to other people that are that look like me and have a similar background to me, and we're all talking about what it's like to be a Latina woman in a certain environment, it's very important that I advocate for myself and for people like me. But when somebody that doesn't look like me and speaks on behalf of that issue as well, it almost empowers the conversation in a way that is very different than I can do on my own. It, it validates the topic to other people and it makes it more real. And I think it's an important role to play as an ally. In my mind, it's one of the greatest values of having allyship being something that we look to foster in our community. Absolutely. And, and to take the flip side of that, right, not speaking up is a problem, right? It comes at a cost. And it's not something that myself as, as a white male from New York who worked in investment banking, like there couldn't be a bigger, you know, a smaller square that I fit in coming into to going to business school, right? But being able to take that position or whatever it is and speak up and be an advocate, I think is, as you mentioned, a huge part of being an ally. And you know, while it's, it's not good that, or it's not right that the validation of whatever it is you might be saying or standing up for doesn't, it shouldn't need, you know, someone who looks like me to validate that, right? It should stand on its own. But the fact that, you know, in today's society and in, in the polarized world that we live in, that if I can, you know, if if people who are outside of this minority can be helpful, right, and can be an advocate, then they should be, right? They have a a moral responsibility to do so. And I think part of Ally Week is is kind of bringing that to the surface, right? Bringing it up front and saying it's not enough just to be you. It's not enough just to, you know, live your life. You need to look outside of who you are and the circles that you kind of interact with and make a positive impact for those who don't have those implicit opportunities. Justin, that was beautiful, man. <laughs> I'm going to get off the stump now. No. <laughs> that was great. Yeah. You're right, because I think you have to take it one step further. It's one thing to say I'm an ally. It's another to be an active advocate, to speak up in the circles that you belong to that may not necessarily be a part of that larger ally network. I think speaking up on behalf of is definitely one of the roles of an ally. But I think the other important role of, of an ally is also recognizing the value that diversity brings. Because we, many of us know that as in, in the context of business, in the context, in the professional context, is is very valuable to have different perspectives, especially when we ha- we're dealing with clients of different demographics. And we know that's valuable. It's an asset to have that, just in the same way that, you know, when you go to school for a certain degree and you have certain contexts and certain knowledge, like that's an asset to business. So having a diverse background is an asset. And having people recognize that value across the table, it's important. Because when we have allies that are making decisions on who to hire or what to invest in, it's important that people that are making those decisions recognize that diversity as an asset. And that what that's what makes business better. And like I was saying, it's, it's not about just speaking out, but also recognizing uh, that kind of value and representing it um, in the context of business and life when it's necessary. 
Absolutely. It doesn't stop here where just in your two years of business school, right? As you said, someday you'll be hiring all of us, the investment bank that you run. <laughs> and I'm sure, you know, diversity will be as important then as it is now. So Jasmine, um, I'd be super curious to hear, you know, you mentioned your, your background as an immigrant to this country. And I'm wondering if you have a story that you can share of someone who was an ally to you, whether here or back in Venezuela, that helps, you know, you in your journey. Um, and, you know, what, what does that story look like? Yes, absolutely. I do have many examples. And, and I do, I do want to say that as an immigrant and as someone that felt as an outsider for many things for a while, you know, while I was in college the first time, when I was looking for a job the first time, allies are, are great for modeling success, modeling behavior, modeling accomplishment, almost as a source of inspiration for, for one can accomplish if you yourself feel like maybe you're not sure if you can get there. And then on the side of advocacy and support, definitely um, that's also true in my own journey. And, and specifically when I worked for Accenture, I developed a really strong relationship with one of my managers that later became my mentor. I was about, you know, almost three and a half years into my career in Accenture. So I was uh, a consultant then, and uh, we were working on a very difficult project together. And we had a manager in the project that had to step out because he was having some uh, performance issues. And when he had to leave, you know, we had this like short timeline, a lot of work that we have to get through. And, you know, she kind of came to me and she was like, all right, Jasmine, I think that you can do this. Can you do this? And I was like, <laughs> I was like, okay. Um, say yes, say yes. <laughs> if you think I can do it and I have your support, I can certainly do it. Seeing her believing in me made a really big difference in how I saw myself. She was more experienced, and the fact that she thought that I could do it, that was a great empowerment for myself. So we worked together for about a year, and uh, she became my official career counselor, which is a role that uh, you know managers and senior managers and managing directors play in Accenture. And when it came to the time of reviews and promotions, she advocated for my recognition. She strongly advocated for my promotion. And to me, that was something that it was unexpected. I was able to get her coaching and her support to a lot of professional development. And, and she got a loyal consultant that would do whatever it takes to get the work done. So we both had a a relationship that, that was really successful. When it came to that time of, of promotions and recognition, you know, she advocated for me and she, she got me a, a manager promotion that I was a little bit earlier than I expected. That was, in my mind, an example of having an ally, having an advocate, almost believe in yourself more than sometimes you do. That was a very pivotal point in my career. And, and later, when I started to uh, consider MBA school as a path, you know, she was my recommender. We had plenty of talks about it. Uh, I told her, you know, my fears, my doubts, my excitement. And she, she played a big role in, in telling me, you can do this. You deserve this. You're going to be great. She, and, and she continues to be that person. I, I stay in touch with her. We chat. She's someone that plays that role for well, me. You'll have to send her this podcast. Shout, <laughs> out, shout out to your unexpected ally. Yes. It yes. sounds like you guys were an incredible team. It does. But it also sounds like there was both the professional mentorship and that she was believing that you could do the job, but also some personal stuff as well, where you guys had a bond that kind of went deeper than just two colleagues working at Accenture. How, how did that kind of develop? Was it was it organic? You know, how, how did it kind of become more than just a professional working relationship, just something in terms of mentorship that had grown for you as a person? 
to your point, I mean, our relationship was mainly, uh, I guess, professional mentorship and focus on that for, for a while. But it really, it, it really became um, more personal when I started to consider business school as my next step. Because when I started to work on my essays and I asked her to be my recommender, obviously in order to enable her to write the best recommendation for me, I shared like my essays and, and we had extremely personable conversations. I shared my heart and my soul, right? I, I talked about my family, I talked about my motivations, about why uh, this was so important for me to accomplish, the duty I felt towards them. I told her my parents' story and how uh, after we moved to the U.S. I took on this leadership role in my family. And I, I play a, a big supporter and, and in a way a provider role for my parents. I have young nieces and I do the same for them. So she kind of learned about this whole new side of my life that she didn't know about before. And that really turned our relationship into a more personal type of like mentorship and support than it was uh, professional as it started. And I'm, I'm curious because I, you know, we've all gone through a similar, a similar experience where you have to go to your manager and say, hey, I'm going to stop working for you. I'm going to take a different path, and I, I'd like to do something more. I'm curious how, how that conversation went. Um, obviously, it went well. She wrote your recommendation. <laughs> but uh, you know, this is someone who, who relies on you, right, who you've proven yourself for. As you said, you're a loyal consultant, and you've done great work for her. So how did that conversation come about, and then what was her reaction? So I was definitely very anxious before having it because, in a way, I, I didn't want to disappoint her when I started to go down this process. And I had been about two years into my manager role, you know, going to the third, you start to kind of get other types of responsibilities. So I was afraid of, of kind of disappointing her and, and letting her down that I was leaving. So I was definitely very nervous. But by the time we got to the conversation, she was definitely, she surprised me with how supportive she, she was. Um, obviously, she was very happy. And she definitely said, I'm sad to have you go. But at the same time, I'm so excited for you because this is going to be a great experience for you and, and you deserve it. And, and, you know, for her, for me, it was very important to feel encouragement from her because she had been playing that role of, of a mentor and, and, you know, I was a little bit later in my career and I was afraid that she would also, that, you know, her and other people like her would, would think that I was almost like wasting away the fact that I was very close to like the next milestone, next center. And, you know, she was very instrumental in being, in, in, in letting me know that, you know, it was okay and I was going to get like great things out of it. And, and if the worst thing that could happen was that I was going to go back and, and I could like pick up where I was and that was okay and um, she was just phenomenal. I, I think things have worked out pretty well. <laughs> you, you kind of teased out a really important point there I think in that as an ally and as a mentor it's not about what you, you know I support you because what you can do for me it's I support you because I believe in you and I want to help you be successful whatever that may mean for how it'll impact me and I think this person this this manager at Accenture kind of demonstrated that and it's it's really important to have that kind of relationship in an ally. Your involvement with Stern Speaks. Justin mentioned this at the top of the program. And for our listeners at home who don't know what Stern Speaks is, you know, it's this wonderful, wonderful program that we do, try to do once a week, where one MBA one, one MBA two has the opportunity to speak to the class and tell a story of who they are, where they've come from, not necessarily what they've done. And everyone gets into the room, they lock the doors, there's no phones. And it's a wonderful experience, and you had the opportunity to participate as a presenter for Stern Speaks. 
And I'm wondering if you could walk us through that experience and uh, talk to us about what you wanted to accomplish that day and, and how it was overall for you. It was an amazing experience. So I, this is only my second semester, but I find it difficult that there will be something else that's going to feel as fulfilling, as, as important or meaningful, I should say, than it did being a, a Strength Speaks presenter. So um, I wanted to do it because sharing the story of my family and the role that my parents played in my development, what they gave up, what it meant for me, sharing a little bit about Venezuela, about what it means to be an immigrant, that is part of my like purpose in life. I want people to empathize with that story because I'm not the only immigrant that has that kind of experience. There are millions of immigrants just like me that also grew up somewhere else, went through the changes of starting their life over in a new place, had challenges, family made tons of sacrifices, and they live with the duty and the sense of giving back to their families and their communities like every day of their lives. And they don't take anything for granted. And I wanted people to know that story. And in a way, not only because of the impact that story I believe can have on listeners, but also it was an honor to my parents. It was a recognition to them because I know and I believe that they are kind of like at the heart and the bottom of my personal accomplishment. It was a very emotional process to go through that. It's a 30-minute slot, and 20 of them are, are talking, and I've never talked for 20 minutes in a row. With no notes <laughs> whatsoever. Yes. Yeah, so and you're in front of a significant number of people. It's a packed house. Yes, yes. I've never done anything even remotely close to speaking in front of 100-something people for 20 minutes just about myself. So it definitely required a lot of preparation, a lot of introspection into the messaging I wanted to, to provide and a lot of practice. And I think th that day was, like I said, extremely meaningful to, to be able to share that story. And what was especially meaningful about it was the feedback and kind of the love and support that I got from my classmates and my friends after I did that. That was not something that I was thinking about uh, that was going to come out of having that experience. But it was very fulfilling to feel love and support and also have so many people open up to me about how they had a personal experience that was similar to what I was sharing or how they related to the story I told. And, and many of them who I then recommended to be Eastern speakers themselves. So, <laughs> Jeff, I was in the room that day and you not only did a phenomenal job, but if your goal was to honor your parents, you smashed right through it because not only was your story inspirational, but I think you left a huge impact on our class. And... Uh, we appreciate you sharing that story with us here today. Thank so, you, so Jasmine, you've had this incredible experience with Stern Speaks. I'm curious what you said to those people who, you know, were perhaps apprehensive about sharing their own story, how you kind of convinced them or, or what advice you gave them to step up and share their experience. What I say to people that are considering doing Stern Speaks, which honestly I believe is, is everybody. I do believe that everyone has a story to tell. And everyone has a trial that they went through. They have people to honor. They have people to recognize. And, and, and they themselves almost deserve the recognition of having accomplished whatever trial they did. And the listeners deserve the opportunity and should appreciate the opportunity to grow their own perspective and hopefully grow as a person from the experience of others. 
You mentioned your international perspective, and you know our class is made up of over you know thirty over thirty percent of our class is classified as an international student, and I wonder what your thoughts are on you know what does it mean to be a good ally for our international classmates here at Stern, knowing that one size does not fit all. I yeah. don't know. I mean, I, I, I the reason I ask is that, and again, I don't want to make this political, but you know, just it's a really hyper-polarized time in our country right now. And you were here in New York City. You know, there's the Statue of Liberty just on the other side of the harbor here that symbolizes everything that this country is about and the role that immigrants play. And I wonder if you have a perspective on that now and, you know, if you've, there's any conversations you've had with other international students that are here uh, in New York during this time. And, you know, it's a perspective that I don't know a lot of the, the majority of MBA students think about, but knowing that international students make up such a significant portion of our class, if it's something we should be thinking more about. For international students, I think what it means to be an allied is to be part of the conversation. I think being interested in understanding that this conversation is larger than just the U.S., it's very important. I know that some of the conversations uh, that are going on in the U.S., a lot of the issues related to immigration, related to you know, racial tensions, uh, may feel like foreign topics to, to some of the international students. But the truth is that there's a lesson to learn in every single one of those discussions. It, there, it, there are important lessons to learn about the experience of the people that are part of those discussions. And it would be an, a value add to their learning and their business perspective and their society perspective to have that kind of experience. So I would say be a part of the conversation, ask questions, and know that uh, this is an experience that it's global. It's not just the U.S. And I would totally agree, especially with the tone of the political rhetoric that's going on and has been for the past year, I think it's especially important to to make it overt about how involved you are and how invested you are in their experience and to let them know that you value them being here and you value their diversity and their insight that they bring to your not only your life but the wider community here at Stern. Stephen mentioned it's, it's 30% of the, the people here, right? It's a big percentage and I think it actually really enhances the overall experience of these two years because you get that international perspective, right? And it could come as simply as, you know, taking a trek to a foreign country that you never would have, right? Or, uh, you know, taking a class, doing a, doing business in, right? It, it kind of opens you up to say, hey, the world exists outside of Manhattan. So with this being Ally Week, what do you want to accomplish? What, what does success look like for, for Ally Week at NYU? So from my personal perspective, I think a successful ally week is one that when we come out of it, more of us feel empathetic and have understanding of issues that otherwise we wouldn't have. And now are more equipped to speak about those issues or value aspects of diversity that we didn't understand before and therefore can be greater support systems like for each other. And when we go out in business, we can play the same role for others. 
And for those who may not be familiar with Ally Week that are listening outside of the Stern community, Ally Week is a week-long set of programming where every club and organization here on campus or within Stern is involved, and there are real meals that are planned, keynote speakers, talked about Stern Speaks a little bit. I think there's some Ally Week-themed speakers presenting. And so I think the idea is really just to get the whole community involved and to have some of these conversations like we've had today. As part of Ally Week, there's a pledge that we encourage the student community to sign, and there's 10 points on that pledge, and I think we can probably share that on our social media page so that everyone can take a look at this, because there's some really great points on here. I will not demand proof of the inequality others are working to resist. I will recognize that my privilege may blind me to others' experiences of injustice, and I think those are really important points. Jasmine, as we wrap up this conversation, I think Justin and I are both curious to know, we've talked a lot about allyship, of course, today, but who would you consider a role model in your life or someone you admire personally, professionally? I would say I have several role models, and I think, you know, we all model different people for different reasons. So when it comes to values and heart, my role model is definitely my father, He is someone who had an amazing professional career with amazing accomplishments, dedication, and hard work, who, when the time came for unexpected reasons, such as a change of climate for the environment that he was in, chose to have the strength and the will and the humility to kind of pack it all up and go somewhere else for the benefit of his family. And that meant a huge sacrifice for him, but at the same time, it has meant a whole new future for for the family that he loved and, and kind of made that sacrifice for. So for him, it's been worth it, and he tells me all the time, and that's a huge part of why I do everything I do. So I, I admire him for everything that he's done for me and our family. As it relates to professional role models, I have a managing director of Accenture that it was my second recommender for my business school applications. He is someone who embodies what I hope to embody, embody through my professional career. He is someone who is a business leader, very effective at, at doing business. And at the same time, he moves forward the diversity and inclusion conversation. It's a big part of his agenda for Accenture. He is someone who looks to leverage the strength of a big corporation like Accenture to advocate for diversity, to uh, advocate for inclusion. He is a part of leveraging the strength of business to make a difference in society and have a positive impact in, in the world. And I look forward to doing the same with my career. Last question, I promise. What do you want to do after business school? As I briefly spoke before, I do want to leverage my client advisory experience and grow the skill of being a financial advisor specifically. So I'm going to go into M&A advisory starting in Chicago. I'm going to join William Blair, middle market um, M&A advisory firm, investment bank in Chicago. So I'm going to start there. I hope to uh, use that experience to learn my skills in that space and hopefully very soon join the conversation about how to increase diversity in financial service industry as a whole and play an advocate role there. Well, Jasmine, I have no doubt that you will be successful in these goals. And I think I speak for both Stephen and I when I say it has been an absolute pleasure to have you here. 
thank you so much. Your drive and passion is infectious, and it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. Thank you for coming on and being vulnerable, sharing your story, and you are the personification of an ally, so thank you. Thank you guys so much. This has been an amazing experience. Thank you for having me.